Hello, lovelies. I'm Valeria, and this is Half Murder Will Travel. Guys, sixth episode, here we come. Last episode, I said maybe we would go to Asia, and indeed, we are going to Asia. This week, we are going to Mongolia. If you're not familiar with Mongolia, it is a landlocked nation between China and Russia. We are cheating a little bit this week because this case might not be a murder, was initially not ruled a murder, and some people still do not think it was a murder. So yeah, this case is actually going to be a mystery, and it's a little twisty, so buckle the fuck up, guys. We are going to discuss the mysterious death of Sumbi Tumursuk. Just so you know, Sumbi, Sumbi was his nickname, but I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce his actual name. I did Google it, got no results. I'm just going to say Sumbi. If anyone knows how to pronounce his full name, let me know. I will spell it for you. It was L K H A G V A S U M B E R E L. Yeah. 15 letters. I don't want to insult anyone by butchering that. Sumbi was a conservation officer. He worked with the Snow Leopard Conservation Foundation to help protect snow leopards and their habitats. I think that's really fucking cool. On November 5th, 2015, 27-year-old Sumbi left his house. The next day, he was re- to report to the South Gobi to the Tost Tossambamba Mountains. In the mountains, him and a partner were keeping watch over 20 snow leopards for research purposes. He was well-known in the research community. He co-authored a number of papers. He had studied in the U.S. a few times. Like, this guy was pretty well-known, had a good career ahead of him. Sumbi never arrived. As soon as people realized he was missing, they sprang into action. His family and friends said he was not the type of person to just disappear. One of the board members of the Mongol Ecology Center said, quote, I found out he was missing and was in constant contact with people on the ground trying to locate him, end quote. On November 11th, Sumbi's body was found floating in Lake Hovskol in northern Mongolia. The lake was thousands of kilometers from the Gobi, you know, where he was supposed to be. Autopsy determined that the cause of death was drowning, and police determined it was a suicide. And that was the end of that. So, thanks for listening. Tune in. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This is only the beginning. So the police ruled it a suicide into that. Well, shortly after the discovery of his body, more than 40 international researchers, including Snow Leopard Trust, submitted a formal letter to members of parliament and other government officials requesting a formal inquiry into his death because they deemed it suspicious. They mentioned in the letter that he was planning to study in England in January. They also expressed concerns that his death would negatively impact the conservation efforts in Mongolia, as his death would probably scare others from coming there. 
One of the guys who organized the letter, Bob McIntosh, said, quote, Our concern is that the powers that be will sweep the case under the rug and not do a proper investigation, end quote. I said good for them. If someone you love ever dies under mysterious circumstances, don't give up on them. Keep on shouting until someone finally pays attention to you. And suicide seems very unlikely in this case, as you're going to see. Because as it turns out, Sumbi had actually been attacked multiple times before his death. In the past year, he'd been attacked three times. But sure, we don't need to investigate his death. All right. In May 2014, he was stabbed by four people in the neck and the arm. He actually lost so much blood that he passed out. He came to hours later and barely made it home. His sibling took him to the hospital. At the hospital, he had to have surgery to close up the wounds. Now, after this first attack, him and his family, they just thought it was a random attack and police said it was an attempted robbery, which, I mean, yeah, one attack. I mean, people do get attacked sometimes. They get mugged, that kind of thing. Makes sense for this one. That same year, in September, he was on a trip with other conservationists, and the subject of his attack came up. Now, he told them, quote, I had one or two bad guys who were causing problems. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of does not sound like a robbery to me. Sounds to me like he kind of knew who they were, maybe. Now, that winter, he was attacked again. This time, he was abducted by men in a black car. He said that they drove him somewhere hours away and threatened him. In an email to his employers, he said that the men said, quote, You think you are the shit, but you are nobody, because we are the people in the city. We are people who controls everything. You can't do anything. We will show you who we are, and so on. End quote. He said he was terrified. They threatened to kill him if he didn't stay away from the Gobi Desert. They also threatened his three siblings. After a few hours, they dropped him back off. When they dropped him off, they said, run and never look back. Now, in the email, Sumbi even said that he thought the men might have been from a mining company. Keep that in mind. That's going to come up in a little bit. He did report this attack to the police, but the police didn't take him seriously because he didn't know who the attackers were. So, they just kind of let it go. Um, to that I say, that's your fucking job, cops. I tell you about the crime so you can do an investigation and find out who did it. Like, I'm not supposed to know who attacked me. You're supposed to go find out. But nope, didn't do anything. So now, this guy has been attacked twice. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to think that first one was not a random attack, especially after what he said to his colleague. And now there's a second one. But no, sure, police, let's let's not do anything. So now in April, this poor man was attacked again. This attack was even more severe than the others. He was riding his motorcycle through the mountains when two masked men came alongside him and struck him. He wasn't sure what was going on. He thought they were trying to, like, run him off the road or something. So he clung to his motorcycle somehow managed to stay on the road and rode off. It was only later, because I'm sure he had all this, you know, adrenaline pumping and whatnot, 
It was only a little later that he realized he was severely injured and had been stabbed. He actually had to be taken to the hospital by helicopter because he was so severely injured. In the hospital, they wanted to do surgery for the wounds. They couldn't even do it that day because he had so much internal bleeding. They actually had to wait. His parents said of the attack, quote, One wound below the chest was 4.5 centimeters deep, right belly 2 centimeters, and left belly 3.5 centimeters deep. Because police didn't recover any evidence or prints, they assumed he inflicted those wounds to himself. This is how police built their theories that he was suicidal. No, I'm sorry. This is really starting to piss me off. Can you imagine being hurt and telling the police, showing them your injuries, and them still not believing you? I know police don't believe victims all the time, and it always pisses me the fuck off. And yes, I know some people do inflict wounds on themselves, but this guy had a history of being attacked. Like, this is the third attack in a year, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, um, those first two weren't related, and you know, he stabbed himself. That doesn't even make sense. And it kind of seems like they just assumed that. Like, did they even look? I mean, you can usually tell with wounds, you know, the angle of entry and whatnot. I think they'd be able to tell if he did it himself. So, I don't know. Don't want to say the government's in on it, but you'll see a little later. Maybe the government's in on it. One of his friends said that after the attack, um, a lot of people were actually encouraging him not, not to go back to the Gobi. You know, just, just quit find different work, but this hero of a man was not discouraged. He told his friends, quote, don't worry, that, that's some dedication right there. I mean, can you imagine being that connected to your job that you would keep coming back after all of this? I mean, this man has been abducted, he's been stabbed multiple times, and yet he's still coming back to work. I love it. I do. I mean, I hate my job, so you wouldn't even have to stab me to get me to quit. But even if I liked my job, I think one, maybe two attacks would do it for me. Yeah, like, you know, you stab me once, I, I probably would quit. But not Zumbi. I said, he's a fucking legend. He's a hero. And he went back to work. By September of that year, he was back at work. And then, of course, his body was found in that lake in November. Who would want to kill a conservation officer. What could the motive possibly be? Another friend who signed the letter to Parliament, that one from the beginning that I told you about, actually said, quote, I worked a lot with Timursuk and Nava in conservation efforts. He never hesitated to stop illegal fishing or enforce the strictly protected areas, for example, the Russian poaching in the area. He could be aggressive in his work, but he was always trying to be, do the right thing. I can understand why he might put people off who weren't interested in conservation. So in the process of doing his job, you know, like he's supposed to, he may have been pissing some people off. Sounds like he might have been upsetting people in the area, Russian poachers. This all seems a little like there might be some motives. The area he worked in, the Tosambamba Mountains, is near the China border, and supports a couple hundred herding families. These families, and I'm not talking like they have a couple of cows. No, no, no. These families are actually responsible for around 40,000 sheep, goats, camels, and horses. 
That's a lot of fucking animals these people are responsible for. No, because the animal kingdom is what it is. Snow leopards would sometimes eat some of these herders' animals, and then these herders would shoot the snow leopards. However, snow leopards are protected, so these herders would then face penalties for shooting them. And Sumbee had been working with these local communities on preservation efforts, and all reports actually indicate that um, leopard shooting had gone down, and that these herders were actually, you know, not not fighting with Sumbee. Like, they were happy he'd been sort of protecting the snow leopards, educating them about them, and also just kind of explaining to them why this happens and, you know, doing his job, being awesome. He would also sometimes uh, catch, like I said, Russian poachers in the area. And he had um, actually gotten the poaching fees increased. So actually a lot of poaching had just gone away. Like they probably went somewhere else to poach. I don't know. But so yeah, basically these local herders, families, poachers, they are not likely suspects. It's more than likely it was somebody else. So who? Mining companies. Apparently, mining companies are a big environmental threat in the area, and the threat is only growing. And remember back in that email he sent where he said the two men may have been from a mining company? Mm Mm-hmm. In 2013, Mongolia signed an agreement with Genie Energy to explore oil shale. Mongolia wants to reduce its independence on Russian oil. Now, I did a lot of reading about this oil shale extraction. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I'm not an expert. I mean, I read like five articles, so I kind of am. Just kidding. I'm not an expert, and this is not an environmental or energy podcast. But basically, oil shale is different from what we normally think about when we think of oil extraction. Oil shale, I guess, is not as good as other types of oil, It's also much more expensive to extract and much harder to extract and apparently damages the environment much more than the other types of extraction. Well, apparently these mountains, um, I guess, have a lot of oil shale in them or they think they do. So they want to do this extraction in this area. But like I said, it's more damaging to the environment. Some people say this oil shale is not as good. There's lots of issues. So, of course, there's a lot of people against it. Sumbi was definitely against it because it was damaging the snow leopard's environment. And then most of the herders were against it because they said their lands were becoming overexploited because more herders were showing up because these other herders had been displaced by Genie Energy mining where they had lived. One source even said, quote, I met many herders who support Sumbi and his work and actually came together to fight off mining companies. So yeah, like I said, these herders, not responsible for his death. And remember when I said that maybe the government was involved? Yeah, this this is why I said this. Mongolia is part of the Extractive Industries Transparency Initiative. Now this means that people are supposed to have access to any records of licenses, taxes, and royalties paid to the government. However, the initiative did not have any information on this agreement, even months after the agreement was made. Hmm, kinda seems like the government's trying to hide something. Also, Genie Energy 
declined to comment on the agreement as well. Hmm. This all sounds very Aaron Brockovich to me. Except, you know, she didn't get horrifically murdered. Now, his parents fully believe the mining companies were responsible for his death. They said, quote, We think that his death was caused by the conflict between snow leopard habitat he was protecting around Mount Tost Tossumbamba and mining interest. We think this was a premeditated murder by mining and ninja miners. End quote. Now, I did have to look up ninja miners because, honestly, I was picturing actual ninjas just with mining equipment on their backs instead of, I don't know, swords. It's really kind of funny to me. Ninja miners are actually what they call the independent miners in Mongolia. So places where big mining companies are not operating, these ninja miners go in and dig for gold. Apparently, unemployment is very high in Mongolia, and these miners can earn up to $10 a day, which is more than doctors or government officials. So yeah, it's like it's like the gold rush in San Francisco here in America back in the... Sorry, I just forgot whenever it was. 49, 1849, right? Sure, we'll go with that. Oh, Lord. Any history buffs are listening to this just going, this dumb bitch. But anyway, they they do the gold just kind of like they used to here in America or anywhere that's out of gold rush, really. The bad thing, though, I did was looking at these ninja miners. They work under some pretty awful, scary conditions. Like, they don't have the right equipment. It's very dangerous. Um, And then I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, kind of funny. They're called ninja miners because they carry green pans on their backs and it made them look like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, ninja miners. So anyway, his parents think his death was caused by the mining companies, the ninja miners, or even both working together. Obviously, no one knows for sure what happened here, but I agree with the family that Suicide seems highly unlikely, okay? This guy was making plans for the future. Plus, I mean, just the whole history of previous attacks. I don't think you can ignore that. The government was not doing much with this case. Maybe because they really thought it was suicide. Or maybe because they were, you know, trying to cover something up. Don't know that for sure. Just speculating here. Well, his dad, who's also a badass conservation officer... His dad was not happy with the lack of progress on this case, so he decided to look for evidence himself. I say, good for you. Yeah, go get that fucking evidence. If you're ever involved in something like this and the cops aren't doing their job, go do it for them. Now, Sumbi was very thorough in his research. Like I said, he'd written a number of papers, meticulous note taker. Well, guess what? He was also very thorough at keeping a record of threats made against him. Good for you, Sumbi. One friend said they found a recording where Sumbay was chasing people away regarding mining licenses. His father gave copies of these recordings to the police, yet still, the police did nothing. Because, you know, he killed himself. None of this other stuff matters. Then his dad found a recording between the car seats of Sumbay's car. The recording was apparently taken after his abduction. During part of the recording, Sumbay can be heard saying, quote, do you think I'm going to beg you to please spare my life? No, I will never do that. I'll never beg you to spare my life. End quote. His dad now, like I said, you know, he's getting annoyed. Nobody's listening to him. The cops aren't doing anything. So he gave some of this recording to a reporter who played it on a TV show. 
Now this, of course, garnered a media frenzy. Local media started investigating. They played the recordings on TV, and also reporters got emails between Sunbay and his employers where they described his attacks. The employers had sent these emails to the police, but again, the police did nothing due to lack of evidence. And again, I just want to say, isn't gathering evidence the police's job? I understand that there are times when there is no evidence, and this very well may be one of those times, but it kind of seems like the police weren't even trying to find any evidence. One of them just showed up when, oh, that guy drowned himself, and they just stopped. Well, now a number of government officials have come out in support of investigating this case. One official said this suicide ruling was the mark of police incompetence and said some important evidence had been lost. I couldn't find any more information about what evidence had been lost, but I sure would like to know. And again, why were the police not looking at it if that's true? Something bigger than than just a guy getting killed is going on here, okay? So yeah, the general consensus is that Zumbe was murdered, and even government officials think so. Unfortunately, there's been no progress in moving this case along. So right now, this case is just stalled. Like, that was 2015. This is where we are. Sad. His family does keep a website going, looking for his justice. There's a blog and a website. I did look at both of them. It's where I got a lot of information. Um, the website is justiceforsumbi.weebly.com, and it's four as in the number four, not um, the word four. I will link the website in the show notes as well. His father even said he has three goals. Quote, one, I will uncover the murderers who murdered my son. I will not stop until I found the truth behind my fu- my son's death till my last breath. Two, I will continue my son's legacy as to protect wildlife and mother nature as much as I can with as effective as and as broad as I can with help of all people because we have one goal. He will not be forgotten because he will live with this passion and legacy. Three, I will work on the Tossed Mountains and its people's goal and passion to let it register for a national reserved area, end quote. So yeah, I mean, his his whole family's still like, he was murdered, somebody listened to us, and his dad's like, I'm going to keep living for him, and I'm going to find out what happened. I am happy to say that the area has become a protected area, so that's nice. And in February 2019, a snow leopard was actually photographed with her adult cub, Apparently, that's very rare to see two, um, like, adult snow leopards together, I guess. But people were really excited. I guess it means the snow leopard population is thriving in that area now that the area is protected. So, I mean, at least his work is being continued, it seems like, and I, I really love that. And that that is the mysterious case of Sumbi Timursuk. To me, this does seem like a murder. I just... I just don't buy that this guy who'd been attacked multiple times did this to himself. It doesn't make any sense. Unfortunately, it's been so long and the case has been stalled for so long, we will probably never find out what truly happened to him, which is just not fair. I mean, it's not fair to his family, really. They deserve to know. 
If you have any information about what happened to Sumbi, please tell the authorities or you can tell his family. Like I said, I will link their website in the show notes and there is a place on the website where you can contact them. So yeah, like I said, I mean, this is their son, brother, you know, it's their family. They deserve to at least know what happened. I mean, I hope whoever did this is punished as well, but I just, I wish his family had answers. I can't even imagine. That is going to conclude our mysterious trip to Mongolia. Sorry, this one did not have a better ending. It's our first unsolved case that I've done, and honestly, I gotta tell you, this this is kind of a bummer. I like ending the case with, you know, fuckers rotten in jail, or, yeah, he did. But in this case, I'm just, just sad because I feel like some big company and maybe the government, like, it just seems very conspiracy and he got mixed up in some bad stuff. I don't know. Very sad. Don't worry, I'll, I'll try to have a better one. Better ending next week. We'll see. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, you know, wherever you get your podcast. We're available everywhere. You can follow the podcast on Instagram. I'll be posting some pictures of zombie. The Instagram is have murder will travel. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Have Murder Will Travel Podcast. You can shoot me an email, especially if you know how to say his full name. I would love to hear that. The email is HaveMurderWillTravel at gmail.com. Tune in next time to see where we go next. Until then, don't forget to explore the world and stay alive. Bye. Bye.